check out, measure the distance, uh, and then uh, get right into it. Hey, thanks, uh, Isaac and Joe, so much for uh, sharing today. Um, you know, it's what we're trying to do with our Sunday services now that we're not meeting uh, all together is try to use our Sunday services as a way to sort of connect everybody with what is going on. Uh, not every week will we be showing sort of videos of what's going on in homes, but we thought that, you know, since um, uh, we haven't met for a while after Easter uh, and we're kicking off this practical series, we thought it'd be great to take a look at homes. Um, I've got three sort of announcements that I want to do before we uh, do the message. So if you'll bear with me, these are really, really exciting. The first, I wanted to follow up on uh, Pastor Chi and my message last week. Um, we spoke. It was so fun doing a combined message uh, with Clayton Church of Christ. And I, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Chi for his amazing idea to um, do real-life gifts into homes. And I'm so thankful that so many at FGA and I know so many at Clayton um, took part in it. And so it was called hashtag Beyond Easter. Uh, Beyond Easter, right? And you know, uh, run slides. And so many of you um, took part in it. We had, um, you know, uh, Yen and Kev's family um, did uh, topped it up themselves and uh, sent around uh, letters and gifts. We had uh, many people post actually on Facebook. If you go on Facebook and you hashtag Beyond Easter, you can see all the different things that our church has been doing. It's so, uh, you know, our own family, my, um, my wife made sort of dumplings to give out um, to people in need in, in our friendship network. And um, from the words that I've been hearing, from the um, feedback that I've been getting, it's so great to see our church mobilized, heading out into the community, doing small practical things um, where we can show that God's love extends beyond our own home. Now, from it's lots of small gestures to something that I've been so excited about, um, a big, a big gesture. Um, I'm really, I, I alluded, I alluded to it a bit um, last week, but we have been, we have been like prepping. Uh, for a while now, we've been working with a group called Med Family. It's a group uh, led um, by sort of predominantly Asian, um, local Asian, I guess, dental and medical uh, people. From our side, it was Annie Shi who was in their committee and leading that charge. And a few weeks ago, she contacted me and said, hey, can FGA be part of doing something for hospitals? Um, and we have been uh, arranging with uh, Robert Clark has gotten us access into Box Hill Hospital. We've been arranging uh, to get certified personal protective equipment into hospitals uh, that are much needed. I know there's a lot of supply coming on the way to Australia, but um, it hadn't arrived yet. And so last week I had the privilege of doing the first, um, the first shift, I guess, uh, the first group of um, PPE uh, into hospitals. And we were able to deliver maybe like, I want to say, um, I should have counted, maybe 12, 13 boxes into uh, Box Hill, but it also went to many, many uh, other hospitals. Um, this is an initiative that we're incredibly thrilled and proud of. Um, 
it's all uh, sort of donations and volunteers. Um, primarily led, actually, by local Asians who are wanting to sort of uh, impact the community. Our church is one of the larger contributors into it. Um, and, and we wanted to take a very big practical step to um, affect our community. So that's, uh, that's Jerry over there who took uh, receipt of all of those. And um, we wanted to give all of FGA a chance to... Uh, this is going to be continuing. So I think we've done like almost like 100,000 worth of PPE, uh, and, and we've got a few uh, more that we want to raise. So uh, if you go on to that slide, yeah, you'll be able to see that we're trying to use MultiBridge, our community arm at FGA, to redirect um, all these donations that will go to the purchase of PPE um, for hospitals like Box Hill Hospital, but many others as well. And so you get the BSB details there. I know it's hard to sort of write things down on the screen. You can take a photo of it. We'll also be sending it out in our newsletter if you subscribe. Um, and you can always email Pastor Roland uh, if you want more information or if you want to um, see what you can do uh, regarding this. But I'm personally so thrilled that at FGA in such a time as this even through small things that we're doing through to big things that we're doing, um, that we are using this time to make a difference in our community. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about a webinar that as a pastoral team, we've um, decided just very recently to sort of host. Our, our prayer meetings have been going really well. I want to thank you so much for coming along to our Wednesday corporate prayer. This has been the most prayer that FJ has ever done in lockdown. So we're very thrilled and, and we really believe that prayer is going to change the atmosphere. And so please do not neglect meeting um, on Wednesday or before service for our prayer meetings. But we thought if you have time and if you want, uh, we would since we're kicking off a very practical series, we thought we would run a webinar since our last webinar went so well. The uh, Good Friday webinar had over 200 um, families, I guess, uh, log in live to follow that webinar. And so we're most concerned about pastoring in this time in real practical, real world situations. And so we thought we'd run a series called Living in Lockdown. The first topic is going to be emotional well-being, right? We're going to be talking about how to handle your emotional well-being. Uh, it's going to be this Thursday, the 23rd of April, 7.30 p.m. Details will come out in the newsletter. We'll send out more communications later. But the idea is that we'll have a panel of people. Um, I will sort of um, uh, chair it. Uh, we'll share a little bit about what the Bible says, some tips, and then we'll practically look at how we handle emotional well-being in this time. But we've got other topics that we're wanting to do that will be coming up later, all aimed at being very practical in this time. It's um, And I know there's a lot of good information out there. Uh, you can go to YouTube and various other articles about lots of other things. But here at FGA, uh, we're trying to do this because we want to keep it um, relevant to where you are, relational. So it's going to be people that you know. Uh, it's going to be people when we're going to be talking about our real world issues 
as we are living in lockdown. We are right now in the middle of, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it said many times, but we are in the middle of something that is epic. It is unprecedented, and we want to help you um, in this household of faith to navigate this period well. Okay. Oh, my goodness. These are like the tightest most efficiently run FGA services I have ever seen. It's 11.50. We're going to go right into the message. Would you join me now? Uh, Maybe during this announcement period, you've all getting your breakfast, you've been doing whatever. Would you join me? We're about to open up Scripture. We're going to get into God's Word. um, And I'm going to pray for us. uh, But could we put aside any other devices, the the one that you're, you know, playing your computer game on? um, And can we... Just in this time, as I uh, share from God's Word, let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, Let me pray. Father God, I pray for uh, this message that I'm about to speak. I pray, Lord God, for this sermon series called Practical Sermons with Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that Jesus would be our inspiration, our lead, our our head, that Jesus would be our cornerstone, our model, and that Jesus would be the name that gets lifted up. I pray, Lord God, that as Jesus speaks to us, as we unpack his sermons practically in our lives, I pray, Lord God, that you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Oh, this is so good. I like four devices on this thing. That's okay. Amazing. Amazing. Hey, okay. Um, what a week it's been. I mean, for some of us, it's the first week back at school. You know, it's not even what a week. It's what a month, what a year. What are we noticing in this season? What, what, what's going on in this season? Uh, can I just highlight a few things that, that as I've been talking as a pastor to our congregation and, you know, and that we've been noticing in our house? One thing that I've noticed is that we're starting now to find beauty in the essentials. You know, uh, we've obviously lost a lot of the peripheral stuff in life, the ability to go out for, um, you know, nice entertainment and fine dining and restaurants and uh, sporting events and various other things. And uh, But now these very seemingly boring essential things become somewhat beautiful. Um, things that we have taken for granted before. You know, I, I got to admit, I'll be the first one to admit, I do not like shopping. I've never liked grocery shopping. It's like, oh my goodness, if my wife gives me a list of more than one, I'm in trouble. I got to write this thing down. But now, now it's like, oh my goodness, let's go for a romantic date. Do we need bread? Yes, we need bread. Come on, let's put on our good clothes and head to Woolworths, you know, because it's... It's so wonderful, wonderful to spend time with you picking bread from the aisle. <laughs> um, you know, other things that we're no- other things that we're noticing. What about what about teachers? Teachers, we're noticing teachers who look after kids in school, you know, um, because now all our kids are studying at home, they are they are they are uh, learning at home, right? And you know, 
I think we're all noticing that that teachers weren't just their job wasn't just um, teaching concepts and lessons that are useless about you know uh, countries and history and I don't know various topics. One of the essential things that teachers do is actually that they're doing something really, really practical. They're taking our kids. They're taking our kids. They're disciplining our kids. They are helping them to, to, to um, focus and learn. And oh my goodness, I'm, I'm noticing that. That's great. I, I hadn't realized that teachers played such an important role. You know, right now, right now, you're, you're watching a screen. You're watching a screen. So many things in this season happen on screens. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm getting Zoom fatigue sometimes. I, there's so many FGA meetings. Oh, my goodness. FGA meetings. Sometimes I go through like seven or eight in a day, right? I, uh, every week now, I routinely lose my voice. I lose my voice. I, um, I get a sore throat from shouting or talking to the computer. <laughs> like, at the, <laughs> you know, uh, at the same time as you're always looking at these screens, more effort than ever has been put into your entertainment to put amazing, cool things on the screen. So amazing are the things that you can see on your screen now. Way better than all the videos that FGA could possibly, you know, we that we could put in. You know, like we did a compilation video of people dressed up in uh, dinosaurs, flying kites, and drawing amazing uh, egg men who come up, you know, like, like, oh, my goodness, it's fantastic. But there are some great things out on the screen right now. You know, uh, we, we just saw Phantom of the Opera for free on a screen. You know, there are movies that are being put on for free. Oh, my goodness. With the amazing choice that is out there, what can a Sunday service a virtual one at that, do to speak or affect your life? Like, what could we possibly do? That's why we're running this series, and we're calling it Practical Sermons with Jesus. And I, I get it. It's uh, probably not the most fancy name uh, of all, practical sermons. You know, we got this like amazing white wall behind us. Let's just be practical, right? Um, actually, Pastor Roland came up with the name. It's so good. Um, and so he was the winner of the naming competition. Um, practical sermon. Practical. You know, like that's what we're after to nowadays, right? Something like in our real world. But they're practical sermons with Jesus, Honestly, I hope that during this series, as you uh, listen to this sermon over the next sort of 20, 25 minutes, I hope I get out of the way of this series. Uh, I, we know that some of you, you're watching this video. For some reason, we've been getting 2,000, 3,000 views every weekend. And I know that that's not like how many people come to FGA regularly. So whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, let me tell you that it's Jesus, Jesus that we're going to be listening to.
Jesus is a bigger deal than any of us, all of us combined. He's going to be more influential than you. He's going to be much more of a bigger deal. He already is. Whether you believe all of his claims, whatever you think of Jesus, uh, you need to know that the words that Jesus says, the words that we're going to be looking at today, have had an impact on our world more than anything you have ever heard in the news or on a screen this week. These words that we're going to be reading. So I think the potential for this series is huge. Because if it was a series of practical sermons with Pastor Chris Ong, oh my goodness, maybe go and watch uh, Phantom of the Opera. It might be a little bit more fun. But we're doing the series and we're highlighting the very words of Jesus that have had global impact, eternal impact. And then we're saying, hey, let's not just take the words of Jesus conceptually. Let's make it practical. What are some practical sermons that Jesus has done? And so I, I, I Googled, you know, practical and what, the, that, what does that mean? And this is, um, these are two definitions of the word pr practical. Practical as an adjective, because uh, practical as a noun is like a test. But practical as an adjective means of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than just theory and ideas. Like I hope that as you're in the sermon today, you're sitting down or you're, you're listening to the sermon, that it's not just going to be cool Jesus concepts that we're talking about. That we're going to be talking about things that are concerned with the actual doing and use of something. Like that's the season we're in. Another, another definition of practical is likely to succeed or be effective in real circumstances, right? Like, is it impractical or is it practical, right? Like, can you even do it? So let's not talk about things that are in sort of fantasy, fluff world, right? Uh, where we're just wasting our time talking about things that you are never, ever going to do that nobody can do. Instead, when Jesus speaks, he's actually trying to be as practical as he possibly can. So you're thinking, I mean, this is the season, right? We're all thinking, how will I keep my job? How would I find work? What, how, what do I do with work and kids in the same, home, same house, sometimes in the same room, right? We're trying to teach them. We're trying to all stay sane at the same time. How do I stay safe when I have to go out? Maybe um, there, there are some high-risk people in our home, or maybe you're in high risk. Um, how, how does Australia get out of this season? How do we even survive the medical disaster, or how do we survive the economic disaster? These are practical things. So when we enter into today's passage, uh, we need to understand that the same kind of practical mindset is in Jesus's audience. Because in Jesus's day, they lived practical lives. Okay, so, um, so I know I haven't gotten to the passage yet. I'm just trying to set the scene. 
But if you imagine, Jesus is delivering his sermon. He's got an audience of people. They are not addicted to YouTube. Entertainment industry in Jesus' day was very little. They don't have Instagram influencers whose job is nothing other than to look good and smile, right? Like, in fact, the entertainment industry was um, relegated to kings and royalty who could maybe hire one comedian, comedian or, or some musicians. Most people were practical and functional. Right? Jesus was a carpenter. Everyone had a trade. They were in guilds. People were living day-to-day practical lives. Uh, Jesus has a crowd of people following him because he's healing the sick. All right? They're sick. They got a practical issue. Jesus Please help me. So let's read Matthew 4. So we're doing the book of Matthew this year. Uh, Turns out we are right now going to do the uh, first sermon that Jesus ever preached. That's why it's so famous. All right. So just before we get to it, it's Matthew 4, 23 to 25. And it sets the scene that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction amongst people so that his fame spread throughout all Syria, which is a real place, right? And they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan in a day without air travel. All right? That's a big deal. So if we set this scene, Jesus is about to give practical sermons with Jesus. He gets the crowd. They've come from everywhere. And what is the mood of this crowd? They are oppressed. All right? Their nation is under occupation by Rome. They're being heavily taxed. Most of the people that Jesus gather, they're poor They are hungry. This is not a gathering of the rich and famous. This is a people who are sick, wanting to get healed. These are people who are needy, who need practical solutions. They're following Jesus because they need their help, his help. And just before we get into the sermon, let's jump to the very end. Because they need Jesus to help him. And, and this is the main point, I need you to see this through the whole series. He, and I took a long time to think carefully about what words I write here. So they're they're not just silly, superfluous words that are put on screen. Because sometimes literally can mean literally, not literally. Okay, but right now it means literally. Jesus practically and literally change their lives forever. Practically, you know, um, it, 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 uh, when it talks about the poor, it alludes to Isaiah 61, where Jesus came, right, uh, to set the captives free and to, um, and to look out for those who are poor. Uh, Jesus practically took 
a nation that was under oppression, and because of Jesus, turned it around so that Rome became the center of the church. Every part of their life changed as a result of Jesus. And then the reason why practically, literally, and I say, change your lives forever, I don't think most news articles or most people can even put the word forever in stuff. Unless you're dealing with eternal life after death. So Jesus, in all senses of this word, as he gets up, as he bursts into the scene, he changed, he had the intention and pulled off, practically, literally changing their lives, not just while they were living here on earth, but forever. So this is a big deal. I think, I think it's a big deal. But before he starts delivering what would be the most famous, the most epic sermon of all, Jesus has to reorient his audience. Because the practical questions they were asking were not the right ones. Right now, you might be having practical questions that you want answered. And, and it's certainly Jesus had that in his audience as well. But he, he steps up onto the plate and he reorients them in the first few words that he says. Because turns out, it, the questions you should be asking is not, hey, what cool background can we put on our wall so that the um, sermon gets more engagement? It turns out if you're poor, hungry, thirsty, that if, if Jesus just gave you food and money, that practically that wouldn't transform your life as much as you think it would. Because there are a lot of rich, fat people who have terrible lives. It turns out that if you're oppressed and you're wanting a Messiah or somebody to just rescue you so that you don't have to have a rule of somebody else, you can choose your own king. Turns out that's not as great as you would think because you could be like the very many other corrupt nations who have chosen their ruler in the future from that time that we have seen in our history. And it's not gone that well. I mean, what are some of your practical issues right now? Like, what if you got it? Like, what if you could play all the games you wanted to play and finish all your school homework? What, what if, practically, you know, if, what if your wife or your husband stopped bugging you and they just disappeared forever? Don't need to worry about any of these complaints of anything. <laughs> Maybe we're asking the wrong question, the wrong practical question. And Jesus, he gets up into this audience, which most certainly had very legitimate questions to ask. Very practical, practical audience with practical needs. And the first things he says is this, Matthew 5, 1 to 11. And seeing these crowds, these practical crowds, he went up 
on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Oh my goodness, all these, all these problems that you're having, poor, mourning, blessed, blessed, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Don't want to fight. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Blessed, blessed. Oh my goodness. What is this? It sounds like a Sunday school cliche. It sounds like Jesus has gotten up, in front of his disciples, there's a crowd around, and he's just saying things instead of giving economic stimulus, which is much needed. Instead of political revolution, much needed. Instead of fixing their Wi-Fi, because you know that thing is going slow. Instead, he gets up, and he says all these like, I don't know, blessed, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Meaning like, are you feeling down? Blessed. You know, are you, and he just says these things. And everybody must be going, I thought Jesus was going to help me practically. And so I just want to remind you that Jesus actually does practically, literally, change their lives forever. But how does he do that? In the first session, section, in the first section of his sermon, and we're going to do this for the next three weeks. It's three chapters in the book of Matthew, and it's huge. But in this first section, Jesus jolts you out of your practical obsession and into God's practical obsession. Meaning that the things that you are practically worried about or concerned about, God wants you to be practically concerned about something else. That's why it's so jolting, I think. I'm pretty sure that's not what the crowds wanted to hear. They, they, want, they, they followed him for healing of the sick. They followed him for very practical reasons. Um, what is God's practical obsession? What is his focus? Turns out, one of the most practical. Now remember, we're talking about practical, right? That he's concerned with the actual doing and use of something. The, turns out, one of the most practical things that God is concerned about um, is you. Is you. You go practically everywhere that you are. Now, in every situation that you're in right now, you're there. Whatever happens to you, you're there. And so, if practical is concerned with the actual doing or use of something, then the thing that God wants useful 
is you. He wants some kind of change in you. That is the, one of the most practical things that you can do. And how, how do we know this? How do we know, am I just making it up? Am I trying to fit Jesus' amazing, beautiful Sermon on the Mount into this title that Uncle Roland thought of called Practical Sermons with Jesus? No. Let's go to what he says after all the blessings. Let's read that. In Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, wherever you go, you're there. Whatever situation you're in, you're in there, right? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And he, and he gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, to glory to your Father who is in heaven. What is this practical topic that Jesus covers in his first sermon? It's not messianic typology. It's not the doctrine of salvation. It's not the explanation of the propitiation of sins. It's, it's you. Are you the salt? Are you the light? What image are you following? How are you going with your life? What are you, uh, and I'll allude to it later, but what are you building your life on? And then he covers these practical topics. So we're just going to follow. I'm only preaching whatever's in the Bible. These are literally the words of Jesus that we're doing. In Matthew 5, he covers these topics. And you can read this in your own time. He covers anger, lust, divorce, lying, integrity, uh, having a mentality of eye for an eye. And for... Um, and he covers the topic of having greater love, so much so that you're loving your enemies. Let's pause. And I want to just talk a bit practically about this. Because, you know, we're all locked down together, right? In Matthew 5, instead of talking about murder, which I imagine would be a real issue in their day, there was probably more you know, fighting and killing in real life uh, than now. Yeah, people now murder each other with words where they would use a sword, you know. Um, Jesus says, if you are angry at your brother, If you are angry at your brother, that's as bad. I just want you to think, how many of us have been angry at our brother or sister this week or this month in lockdown? Practically, in your life. Because, you know, we're all cooped up. 
And sometimes things irritate us. We're, we're, we're confined. We don't have that choice to move around and get our distance from people. So we get angry. Jesus talks about lust. I'm sure there was all kinds of infidelity that was going on, like real life infidelity that was going on in those days where you could just divorce women for fun, right? Or you could uh, do whatever you want. But Jesus, he targets in on lust in your heart. You know, I, I, I'm in all these like pastoral literature articles and, and there's a lot of research that gets done. But do you know in this lockdown what we've seen a rise of? You would not believe it. Porn. As we're all locked down at home, porn consumption is all-time high. And maybe you're thinking that's not that bad because it's just lust in my heart. I'm locked down. I can't actually go out and, you know, do anything crazy. But, oh my goodness. Jesus has got some practical words for your life right now. Divorce. Do you know the reports that came out from the, the previous lockdown, countries that have been locked down earlier? And you, you know what spikes up? As soon as uh, people get a chance, the lockdown's over, the divorce rate increases because you've just discovered you don't like living with this person. This is like real issues, real practical stuff. Lying integrity of, of, of doing what you say you will do. Man, how many of us are guilty for this eye for an eye? You know, you didn't, you didn't clean up your thing, so I'm not going to clean up my thing. Or you didn't do this, so I'm not going to do this. You were mean to me yesterday, uh, so I'm going to be mean to you today. Jesus, in his first ever sermon, ever, decides that he wants to talk about these things. How are you practically conducting yourself during this season of hardship? That's the question. Are you salt? Are you light? Like, I want to get out of the way here. I don't, I don't want to be the focus of this sermon. Because this sermon was not preached by me. This sermon are the famous words of Jesus that have ended up resonating across our known history and ended up affecting people's lives. You know, in this time of hardship, sure, a lot of things are going to slide, right? Maybe you don't shave quite as often. Maybe the house isn't quite as clean. But you as a person, Jesus is saying, don't let that slide. Don't let that slide. Watch your anger. Watch your lust. Watch how you show love. Watch that you're not just tit for tat, eye for an eye uh, in your conduct. You know, um, how do I know that this whole Sermon on the Mount is a practical sermon? Because it ends, and, and uh, we've got Pastor Roland, he's going to be ending the series. But the whole of Jesus' sermon ends with this story, which I'm sure you've heard of. You can go look it up later, about building your house on the rock. So the whole point of his sermon was, hey, 
It's not just a listening theory. You've got to do it. There's nothing more practical than actually doing it in your real life. Um, this is so crucial. This is so essential. And I know you have practical concerns in life right now. But Jesus would go on to say in Matthew 16, 26, what does it profit a person if they were to gain the whole world and lose their soul, lose who they are, lose the essence of who they are, lose the part of themselves that goes forever? What would it profit a person if you were to gain the whole world? What's interesting about that is you could gain the whole world. I read that. I'm like, ooh, you could gain the whole world. Maybe you could. But even if you could, would all of that save your soul? That's, Jesus is so concerned about you. He gave his son for you. He loves you so much. Uh, I, I hope that you're listening to today's sermon and, and really it's transformative for you. Because you need to know this. And I, and I know I've said this now multiple times in the sermon. Because Jesus practically, literally changed their lives forever. You know, Jesus' followers, these disciples that were sitting around listening to him on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' followers would emerge from captivity and change the world. Jesus' followers would take the season like this, be the salt and the light, and would emerge on the other end, vindicated by history, and begin a reformation of our world. And I think that's the real potential for us uh, as Christians in this season. As everybody's asking all kinds of practical questions, that we would ask the practical questions that Jesus would be concerned about. Uh, we've got Scott Harrower. Um, Dr. Scott Harrow is speaking next week, and he's going to be unpacking chapter 6 onwards. And so I, I really hope that you'd come along and join us for that. But today as we close, I want to give an opportunity for you to respond. And I know it's tricky. We've had a few people come to the lobby, um, but I want to encourage you. Like, if, if you're with your whole family and you're a little bit embarrassed, just say you want to go to the toilet or something, and then zoom into our lobby. Okay, because I want to give you a chance right now, today, because we have an altar ministry team that would love to pray for you. Honestly, like if you go to fjm.org.au slash lobby, there'll be people there who are happy, who are happy to pray with you as you try to change these types of practical things in your life. Because I know there's some of you, you're struggling with anger right now. You know this week you've been angry. You know it. You're struggling with lust. You know it. These are just practical realities. You're struggling with some of the things that are on this list. Lying, integrity, eye for an eye. You just want to pay back people who have done evil things to you. Maybe racism, maybe discrimination, and you just want to repay it. Or you're having difficulty showing greater love. 
The change and the reformation needs to begin with you. It needs to occur in you. So I'm going to pass to Brian. Brian's going to lead us in a time. But as we, if you're, if you're um, uh, watching on this service, worship with us. But it's really to create that space so that the Holy Spirit can speak into your life. And maybe if you need to, you're jumping on to the lobby at fjm.org.au slash lobby. And then you're asking for somebody to pray with you or maybe to talk about some practical issue that you're dealing with in your life. Let me pray. Father, I pray, Lord God, that as we even close off this service, that your Holy Spirit would move in all of our homes, that you would change us from the inside out, that practically we would be the people that you want us to be, that we would be the salt and the light. Help us to follow the very literal words of Jesus Christ himself and build our house on the rock. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Church, I hope that that Pastor Chris's sermon and the words of Jesus have touched your heart and maybe made a shift in, in your mind and in your heart. Let's right now, um, just as we close, let's sing this song as a reminder of who really we are to look to, who we are to build our life upon. Amen. This song is called Shepherd of My Soul. Shepherd of my soul. 